I want you to notice with me verse number 6. 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Apostle Paul writing to a young preacher named Timothy. Verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to preach this evening, and I need you to pray for me. I want to preach this evening on this subject. My mind. My mind. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that is always so real in this place. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the faithfulness of the people in this church. And God, I pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us. Help us, Lord, I pray. Fill me with your Spirit this evening. Help those young people. Help those in Awanas. There are several across the parking lot who does not know you as Savior and Lord. We pray tonight would be the night that they would accept you. Lord, you'd save their souls. Bless this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you for standing and thank you for being here. I've got a couple of thoughts that when I got home this evening, the Lord began to deal with me about. And the Lord began to help me earlier this week in this thought of my mind, my mind. When I notice what Paul is saying to Timothy, here in verse number 6, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. He said, I just want to remind you of something. Something that is there and something that will never change. But if you're not careful and if I'm not careful, It will not go away, but we can let it begin to start fading, fading in our lives. It's not that you will lose it, but it is the excitement of what God has given you is no longer exciting. It's not that one day you wake up and it's gone. It's just that one day you wake up and you are dull spiritually. It's not one day that you go through something and you say, oh no, I've just lost what God gave me. No, it's not that at all. It's that you go through something and you say, I don't even feel like being what God wants me to be. It's the danger of what God has gifted you with and what God has gifted me with. There is a danger that that becomes dull in your life. So he says here, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou, you, stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Those words there, to stir up, I wrote down, get stirred up. Those words stir up simply just means to rekindle. To rekindle that fire that is inside of you that God has put in you. 
whether it be the fire of your salvation, whether it be the fire of being a witness, whether it be the fire of being faithful, whether it be the fire of your prayer life, whether it be the fire of your Bible reading, whether it be the fire of getting your kids in the right direction, the fire of, of, of serving the Lord, the fire of teaching, the fire of preaching, the, the fire of whatever it is that God's placed on you, the fire of singing, the, the fire of of getting in the choir, the fire of playing the instrument, the fire of, of, of teaching in a one is the fire of taking out the trash, the fire of, of just doing what God has placed on you to do. And what he is saying is, is he's saying, I, I want you to remember and I want you to get stirred up. You need to be rekindled in whatever it is that God has placed in your life as a believer. Does that make sense to you tonight? That stirring that only can happen through the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Stir up, that means to rekindle. And when you study the word stir up, it means a living thing, not a dead thing. So, So you're not stirring up something that's dead. You're stirring up something that's already alive, but it's, but it's getting weak. You're stirring up something that's, that's living inside of you, but it's getting dull. And that word stir up, stir up means to rekindle, and it means a living thing, but it also gives the definition uh, as, as a fire, as a fire. And I will stop there and I will ask you, when is the last time the fire of the presence of God is burned in your soul? I'm talking about a fire. I'm talking about a stirring that's way down deep in you. I don't know. I I feel that every one of us, if you've truly been born again, there was a time in your life, maybe at salvation or maybe shortly after salvation or maybe when you begin to read the word of God and God began to deal with you and help you. There was a stirring on the inside of you and there was a fire that was kindled inside of you. And I will ask you, is that fire burning bright or is just the pilot light on? It's just the pilot light on. I went and stayed at a place this week, and when I got there, I walked in, and there was some gas logs. And at one thought, I thought, I'm going to fire them things up. And then I said, I ain't going to fool with it. But I got down, and I looked on this side, and I couldn't see anything. And I looked on this side, and right back here in the back, I saw just a little blue flicker of a flame. I'm scared that's where some of you are at tonight. I'm scared that's where some of you are at tonight. The fire's not out. It's just barely flickering. And you need the Holy Spirit of God to come by and breathe a breath down in your soul. Amen? You ever build a fire and it don't seem like it's going really well? Especially if you build one outside. And if you're like me, sometimes you'll have to get down on your hands and knees and just blow in there a little bit. Might have to get you some newspaper and wave on it and kindly get some of the air moving towards the flame. I believe some of you tonight needs a stirring. I believe some of you tonight needs a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit of God in your life so that that little flicker will turn back into a flame. Amen? And that's what he is talking about here in this verse. And, and that, that it be rekindled, a, a living thing, a fire. 
We know that Timothy had been given a gift of ministry. We know that. And we know also in verse number 5 that it speaks that he had unfeigned faith. He had a strong faith. Been passed down from his grandmother and down through his mother. And I know that it's in thee also. And he had a real faith. But he said, that needs to be stirred inside of you, Timothy. I don't know what Timothy I'm talking to tonight. But it needs to be stirred inside of you tonight, Timothy. You don't need to leave this service until God has done a stirring way down deep in your soul. I don't know, ma'am, which which one of you it is, but you need a stirring way down deep in your soul. You know it's in there, and you know it's alive, and you know God's real. But you know that you need a stirring tonight. You know that you do. You know that you're going through the motions. You know that your desire is there, but it's not the way it used to be. You know that there's some excitement that is there, but it's not the excitement that used to be there. You know there's some desire that is there, but it's not the desire that used to be there. You know I'm I'm preaching the truth tonight, amen? And there's some people in this church tonight, you need a rekindling, you need a restirring. You need God to do something fresh in your soul. The light's not out. You just need a breath from heaven down on it tonight, amen? And that's what we see right here in these verses. Do what the Lord has given you to do. And don't slack up and don't lose your excitement. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 4, The gift that is in thee by the land on the hands of the prebstry or the elders. And and you and I would call that the ordination uh, that Paul evidently was a part of with a young man by the name of Timothy, by the putting on of my hands. The gift that is not lost, the gift that is not taken, but the gift that has lost some fire and some intensity in our lives. This happens, and it happens a lot if we're not real, real careful. Next thing I want us to look at is in verse number 7. We need to realize some things. And I pray that you will realize some things. You already know this, but we need to be reminded of this. Verse number 7 tells us what God does not give. And then verse number 7 tells us what God does give. Notice in verse number 7, For God hath not, for God hath not, for God hath not, Did you hear that? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear. That's, hey, and listen, and I want you to notice that fear there is a spirit of fear. It's not the Holy Spirit, but that spirit is a, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And so many times in our Christian lives, that's where so many of us live. So many of us live in, in fear, in fear of the unknown, in fear of failure, in fear of what's coming up tomorrow, in 
fear of what's going on next week. I would testify, but I was scared. I would have witnessed, but I was scared. I would have preached, but I was scared. I would have told that person there, but fear gripped my heart. Uh, I, I went to the doctor and then I was filled with fear. This is going on in my home and I'm filled with fear. And the fear of the unknown, that is where so many people, so many believers live. In the day that you and I are in, they are living under a spirit of fear. And that spirit of fear does not come from God. It don't come from God. And he tells us right here, What does not come from God? He said, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And I studied that word fear. And it's amazing to me that I heard this word this week. And I want you to hear this. When you study that word fear, it means fearful. And it means dread, dread. But you got to understand this word fear here, this spirit of fear, means this. Faithless. Faithless. I'm going through life and I know that things are going to happen. But right now in my life, I am faithless. I have no faith. I can't even believe that God is able to fix The things that are wrong. I can't even believe that God is able to kindle in me what needs to be kindled. I can't even believe that if it happens the way that I think it's going to happen, then I'm going to be okay. Because in my mind, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be okay. And how can I trust God if I'm gripped with so much fear? How can I trust God when it seems like my faith and nothing is happening and I I feel faithless? And if this don't go the way that I don't think it should go, then I'm going to be full of fear and my faith, I have none. I have none. I will confess I have no faith over this situation in my life. I have no faith at all. See, God has not given you a spirit of fear. God does not give you the spirit of faithlessness. God does not give you that spirit of dread where you get up in the morning and you dread to do that. You get up in the morning and you dread that phone call and you get up in the morning and you dread to go to work and you get up that morning and you dread to face that day and I've been there but let me remind you that it does not come from a holy and a righteous God and if it's not coming from God then where is it coming from? Are you with me? If it's not of God, then it's from the enemy. It's from the devil. That's where he wants you and I to live our lives. The spirit of fear and a spirit of faithlessness and a spirit of dread to where you get up in your day and you can't even enjoy your day. You go through life and all you see is this darkness. God did not give you that. That does not come from the Lord. And I don't know about you. It almost makes me scared to say it. But I'm tired of living there. You hear me? I'm tired of living in that fear. I'm tired of living in that doubt. I'm tired of living in that confusion. I'm tired of it. And I need God to do something for me. To pull 
Pull us up out of that mess, amen? Pull us up out of that tonight, God. Do something for us that only you can do. God, do a work in our souls, do a work in our hearts, but more than anything, do a work, God, in my mind so that I can get some victory over this fear and over this dread and over this doubt that is completely consuming me and wearing me out. Oh, God. Oh, God, help us, I pray. Help us, God, I pray. God, help them. Let's talk just for a minute. Oh, God, help them, I pray. Oh, God, do a work in their hearts, God. God, do a work in their lives. God, touch them in a way that only you can. God, I pray, God, you'd give them victory. God, you'd give them healing. God, you'd do a work that only you can do. Oh, Lord, touch, I pray. God, help us. Help us through your word tonight, God. Let us realize that you want to do something strong in our souls. God, you want to do something in our lives. You want to do something in our hearts. Oh, God, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What God does not give. What he does not give. Oh. But if we don't get stirred up. This is key, listen. But if we don't get stirred up, and if we don't get on fire, the enemy's going to keep us in this place. That's why it is so important that when we are praying, we're asking the Lord to help us with the troubles in our minds, and we're asking the Lord to help us with our anxieties, and we're asking the Lord to help us what we're scared of, and we're asking the Lord to give us faith, to trust Him, that we would have this unfeigned faith, a real faith, not a hypocritical faith, but a faith that only God can give. That's why it is so important that while we are praying that, we also pray, Lord, stir me up in my spirit and stir me up in my soul and and stir me up so that I can be on fire for you like I once was on fire for you because when the fire began to flicker and when the fire became a pilot light in my soul it was then when the devil began to attack me and to get me down and to show me look this is never going to work it's never going to work you'll never get through it you'll never get over it you'll never get past it you'll never overcome it that is a lie Straight from hell tonight, child of God. God, stir inside of us this fire. Stir inside of us this fire. It's amazing how our minds can work. But if there is a spirit that is not from God, he says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. But then the next word is but of power. And of love and of a sound mind. So, if fear does not come from God, then power and love and a sound mind does come from God. And if there is a spirit of the little s that works in fear, although it is not in the verse, There must be a spirit of the capital S, which is the Holy Spirit, that works in power and works in love and works in a sound mind. 
So within ourselves, we cannot have this power. Within ourselves, we don't know how to love. And within myself, I don't know how to keep a sound mind. But the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us can equip us with that power, can equip us with that love, and can equip us with that sound mind. And I'm here to tell you tonight, every single one of us in the building needs God to touch our minds. We need the Lord to help us in our minds. We need power that can only come from God. We need love that can only come from God. And we need a sound mind that can only come from God. Amen? Turn with me to Romans chapter number 8. And we're going to look at a verse here. And I pray this will help us to see this thought just a little bit clearer. Romans chapter number 8. Verses 5, 6, and 7. Romans chapter number 8, verses 5, 6, and 7. And I want to show you something here that I have never seen. And I underlined it today when I was studying because I had never seen this one word in these verses. If you're in Romans 8, say amen. Amen. Look at verse 5. For they that are... What's that next word? I never noticed that word after. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen? Life and peace. Because the carnal mind is entity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So here's what we deal with. You and I deal daily with this rotten flesh that is wrapped up around our spirits. And when you and I are always after the desires of the flesh, we will always mind the desires of the flesh. But when you and I are after the things of the Spirit of God, we will mind the things of the Spirit of God. This is very important. And please hear this. And I'm going to try to explain this in a way that I hope will sink into your souls and help you. Your prayer time and how you pray And where you pray is key to overcoming the desires of your flesh. Now listen to me. Wherever you pray and whenever you pray, wherever you pray and whenever you pray, you must pray until you get through to a holy God. What happens is, is we have went through our routines of prayer for so long now that we already almost know what we're going to pray before we even pray. And then when we begin to pray, we already know where we're going to stop when we first begin to pray. I'm telling you, child of God, the key is this. You must pray until you pray through. You must pray until God gets a hold of you. You must pray until you pray through all of your nonsense of praying. 
There is a lot of nonsense of praying that you and I do in our lives. We have got to pray until we get through the nonsense of pray. We got to work through this rotten flesh so that we can tap a hold of a sweet God through the Holy Spirit. And when you and I pray until we get a hold of God and when we pray until God gets a hold of us, there's some things that's going to change in our lives. But until we pray to get rid of this rotten flesh and work our way through that flesh, we'll never be able to get victory over our minds and the battles that we deal with. And then you say, well, I prayed about that. And I've prayed about that. And I've prayed about that. And I've prayed about it a million times. And I've prayed about it 10 million times. And I've prayed about it every day. But let me ask you this. Have you prayed until you truly have got a hold of God? And have you prayed till God has truly got a hold of you? You must work through this flesh to get to the Spirit. And when you get to the Spirit, then God can do a work in our souls. Do you hear me tonight? It's all about the prayer. It's all about the seriousness of our prayer. It's all about the length. You say, oh man, it's not about how long you pray. Hey, let me tell you something. Yeah, you can pray 63 words and fire can fall from heaven. But if you're like me, it takes me 1,063 words just to get my mind clear enough so that I can pray. Are you with me? You gotta pray. Child of God, you gotta pray. Until you get a hold of God. You gotta pray until God gets a hold of you. And you gotta pray to the place to where you know that the voices that's in your head is not yourself talking to you, it's not the enemy talking to you. You gotta pray until the voice that is in your heart and in your mind is the Spirit of God that is speaking to you. And when the Spirit of God speaks to you, then you will know, then you will know, God help me with my mind and everything that I'm dealing with. And that's where most of us live. And that's where we stay. Our binds are a wreck. Our faith is failing. Our lights are flickering. The fire in our souls is just a little bitty pile of light. And we'll go fall down in our prayer closet and say a prayer like this. God help me if you can. Amen. God help me if you can. God just help me if you can. I don't know what else to say, God. Just help me if you can. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's all you can say. But if there's something down in that spirit saying, pray on, son, pray on, sister, then you pray on. And when you pray on, I can testify to you, when you pray on, little things will start happening. You'll get distracted by this, and then you'll get distracted by that. And you'll be praying on and you'll get distracted by this over here. The next thing you know, you've done left the prayer time. And either you have physically done went somewhere else or you have mentally checked out and went somewhere else. And then when you do that, you realize real fast, I am not in the spirit. I am still operating through this rotten flesh. I am still trying to get work through myself. I can't even get a hold of God because I can't even get enough of me gone out of the way. Amen. I need to get me out of the way so I can hear from God. And if I can get me out of the way, I will hear from God. And when I hear from God, he'll show me what's coming in here is of him or not of him. When's the last time in your prayer time you heard this in your spirit? That thought was not of me. That thought was not of me. 
When's the last time through your day? You've been going through your day. And your mind will begin to think about some things. And the sweet Holy Spirit of God can speak into your soul and say this. That thought was not from me. You say, I don't know if I've ever heard that or not. Well, you need to hear it. Because until the Spirit of God shows you what thoughts are of Him and what thoughts are not of Him, you're going to be messed up in your thinking from here on out. We have got to pray till we get to the point to where we know that our thinking is of God and not of our flesh. You ever thought this? I don't think the Lord loves me anymore. That's not of God. That's not of God. He will never stop loving you. You say, well, I'll tell you what, I don't even know if I need to go on anymore. That's not of God. That's of the flesh. That's of the enemy. What do you mean you don't know whether you should go on anymore? He says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. Amen. Get that fire back kindled. It is of God that you go on and keep on keeping on for Jesus. See, we think so many things and we think it's of God, but it's not of God, Mr. Dale. It's not of God at all. You'll think about your kids. You'll think about your marriages. You'll think about your church. You'll think about your job. And I've always said this, whenever you are down, never, never, no never, make a strong decision in your life when you are down. Never. If you make decisions when you are down, 99% of the time, it will always be the wrong decision. Ain't been too long ago, me and Miss Watkins had a big old Suburban. Transmission come out of the Suburban. You know what I said? We're selling that thing. We're selling that thing. Got the transmission fixed. I was like, you know, it's a pretty good old car. (laughs) Ain't that the way it works in life? Get down a little bit and you say, I ain't going on. I ain't keeping on. I'm giving up. I'm giving up. Hey, listen, them thoughts are not of God. You got to pray until you can work through the flesh and get control of the spirit. There has to be some discipline in our lives when we're talking to a holy and a righteous God. I hope you're getting that. I hope and pray, God, please let us understand this because it is a spirit of power. It is a spirit of love. It is a spirit of a sound mind. Titus 2.6 Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Sober-minded. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 1 and we'll finish up here tonight. 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. I'm going to wait till you get there. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Next time you're praying... Next time you're praying, and while you're praying, a thought comes into your mind. I'm going to challenge you. Stop right then and ask the question, is this thought of you, Lord? I don't care what the thought is. Ask him, is this thought of you, Lord? 
Is this the thought that you would want me to have? And he'll show you. Just that alone will give us victory. More than a lot of us have experienced in a long time in our lives as believers. Just knowing what thought is of God and what thoughts are not of God will give you more victory in your life. It will. It's amazing to me how many women, godly women, feel like their lives are useless. It's amazing to me how many godly women look at themselves in the mirror and feels like that they're ugly and no one would want anything to do with them. Not even your own husband. It's amazing to me how many women can go through life and be so down on themselves. Those thoughts are not of God. And it's amazing to me how many men we can trick ourselves to tell ourselves that we're really something when we're really not what we think we are. And we're going to have to quit trying to trick ourselves in our minds. We need to think soberly and righteously in the way that God would have us to think. And our kids need to be assured and affirmed constantly that mama and daddy loves them and they're going to be there and they don't have to worry about that junk because kids deal with the same stuff. It's our minds is the battlefield of Satan. It's in our minds. Please, please, child of God, when your mind is going crazy, ask the question, is this thought of you, God? First Timothy, I mean, first Peter, I'm sorry. Chapter number one and verse number 13. First Peter, chapter number one and verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That word gird up means to bind with a belt. And you know what else it means, gird up? It's the same thought as Paul was giving young Timothy about getting stirred up. When you study being stirred up, I didn't realize this kind of goes with it. When you study a bit about being stirred up and you study about being girded up, amen. I could make a song about that, being stirred up and girded up, amen. When you study about being girded up, it means the same thing. It means to bind it with a belt, but it also means to do it afresh. Do it afresh. That gives me the thought, and it should give you the thought, that evidently girding up my mind must need to happen quite often. Are you with me? To gird up our minds must need to happen quite often. Sometimes, maybe every day. Sometimes, more than once a day. Sometimes, maybe 50 times a day. But here's the question. Are you willing to battle? Are you willing to gird up the loins of your mind? 
if it takes 50 times a day so that you can at least make it through that day with a clear and a sober mind, thinking the way God would have you to think, seeing the way God would have you to see, and doing things the way God would have you to do it. But here's the problem. We'll gird up our minds. I'll get to what it means in a minute. We'll gird up our minds. We'll get all stirred up. We'll do it for a little while. Things will go crazy. Next thing you know, is I don't know why I did it. It must not be working. It must not be worth it. And then you'll quit. Why did you quit? Why did you stop? Why did you quit praying? Why did you quit doing what the Bible tells us to do? Why do we quit doing it? There ain't but one reason why we quit doing it. Because every one of us deal with the same flesh. And in this flesh, if we're not careful, we'll get so lazy spiritually that we'll give up the fight. You'll just give up the fight. You might as well say amen. We'll say, oh, it ain't worth it. It ain't working. I was doing good for a day, but now it's back. What was you expecting going to happen? It's a battle, amen. It's a battle. It's a battle, child of God. It's a, it's a battle, ma'am. It's a battle, sir. Young person. It is a real battle. But this is what it means. Gird up. It means to bind with the belt. It is a picture of clothing that is flowing and flapping. And it comes time to run or it comes time to fight. And you've got to bind up that clothing. You've got to tighten it up. You've got to get things fixed. You've got to get it close. So what he's saying in this verse is this. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind tightened up. Get your mind focused. Get your mind fixed. Get your mind ready to run. And get your mind ready to fight. And you got to pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, don't let my mind just run like a fountain. God, bring everything in. Bring it in close. God, protect my mind and help me, Lord, to think thoughts that you would have me to think. My son's got a job. It's very stressful right now. And I don't think it would bother him if I told you this. His job is really stressful. And he told his mama the other day, he said, Mom, I'm starting to dread work before the day even gets here now. That's why it's so important, Jackson. Please hear me. That's why it's so important that before your feet even hits that floor that next morning, oh, son, you've got to seek God with everything that's in you. You've got to seek Him with everything. You've got to get a hold of God the way you've got a hold of God over there in that upstairs. Ain't that right, Brother Jim? You got to get a hold of God. And when your mind begins to race, and when that anxiety begins to come, son, church, no matter who you are, we got to get a hold of God. And we got to take that belt and we got to tighten that thing up. We got to say, God, get everything in my mind where it needs to be because my mind is running crazy. Don't let it just flow up the rivers. Keep my mind fixed on you. Keep my face on you like a flint. God, keep my perspective on the things of God, not the things of the world. And when this rotten flesh begins to flare up and I go after the flesh, God, stop me and say, no, 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 not after the flesh, after the spirit. Go after the spirit today. Get your mind clear. Tighten that thing up so that God can do a work in your life. Let God tighten them thoughts up. 
gird up the loins of your mind. That's what it means. That's the picture of it. Oh. Oh. Don't be weary. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God's favor from His Son. If you and I could ever realize that we live under the good grace of God, we live under the good favor of God. If we can grab a hold of that. Look in 1 Peter chapter number 4 and verse number 7. When you read in the Bible that the hour has come, just about every single time it's talking about Jesus' death. And when we read in the Bible that the end is coming, it means that we leave this place and the wrath of God falls on this world. And you and I one day will live in perfect peace and perfect harmony with a perfect Savior with a clear mind. And I like what Brother Ricky Wolf said, and no more devil. Isn't that going to be good when we get to heaven and there's just no more devil, amen? Oh, thank you, Lord. 1 Peter 4 and verse number 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, speaking of your mind. Be ye therefore sober. When you study that word sober, it means a sound mind. And then it says this, and watch unto prayer. That word prayer there not only means prayer, but it also means worship. Prayer and worship goes hand in hand, child of God. I've got a prayer closet that I go into. But 90% of the time when I go into that prayer closet, 90% of the time when I go into that prayer closet, I am always in a hurry. Without fail. It is embarrassing. I have actually walked into the prayer closet and didn't even sit down because I knew there was no need to sit down because I wasn't going to be there that long. I have actually went into my prayer closet and thought about it like this. Lord, I'm tired, and you know I'm tired, so I am going on to bed. I love you, Lord. I'll talk to you in the morning. Don't y'all look at me all spiritual. (laughs) Don't y'all be looking at me like this. See, that's why you preach the way you preach, because you just don't pray. If you'd pray more, if you'd pray more, Lord dealt with me this week. 
The same way I spoke to you when you took your time will be the same way I will speak to you if you will continue to take your time. Continue to take your time. Now here's the bad part about it. I'm in such a hurry to finish praying. But here's the sad news. When I get finished praying, I have nothing to do. I have nothing to do. It's not like I've got to hurry up and pray so that I can go do this or that. Did you know that 90% of the time when I am in a hurry to pray in my prayer closet, everyone else in my family is done in the bed. They're done in the bed, Marvin. So I am in a hurry to pray so that I can get finished praying so that I can walk out of a prayer closet into a dark house where everyone is asleep. That's messed up. That is messed up. And then I wonder, man, I wonder why I'm dealing with so much junk in my mind. I wonder. And then I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning because the dog has me trained. Tina and Abigail has trained the dog, but the dog has trained me. That dog tells me when to pee. It's an amazing thing how that dog has me trained. I have no idea where I was going with that. (laughs) But when I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, to take the dog out and I can't go back to sleep for two hours and it's 5 a.m. and my mind will not slow down from thinking about a bunch of things, I ask myself, wonder what's wrong with me? Wonder why all of this is on my mind? Wonder why I feel so much anxiety? I wonder why God says it was back there in the closet. It's where you could have got all your help. But she's in too big of a hurry. It's in too big of a hurry. 